0: All right, I'm gonna take you back to the days of Tang and Animal Crackers. All right. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Anybody remember it? And a wee little man was he. Sing it with me if you remember. He climbed up in, you can even do the motions if you want. Tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. And he said... Zacchaeus, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. Wasn't that fun? Didn't I just put a smile on all of your faces. I started singing and you started smiling, I know it's not because of my beautiful voice. It's because of this amazing song, music has a way of moving us, but it's also this story about this guy who nobody thought would choose Jesus And Jesus points him out, calls him out by name. Now, we kind of get it a little bit, we get a little angry with Zacchaeus if we're we're pretending to be Jesus. like, Zacchaeus, you come down. You know, we point our finger at him and everything. Jesus probably was like, man, come on, Zacchaeus, come on down, I'm going to your house. And it just wreaked havoc in all uh, all of the world at that time because people were like, who is this guy that wants to go eat with sinners but yet says he's the son of God? And now here it is, this is Jesus. And here's Zacchaeus. And this story of Zacchaeus is our foundational story for tonight. We've, we've been telling stories over the last three weeks. And these stories that we've been telling, they've been inspirational stories to us. Not only have they been inspirational stories for, for so many reasons, they also are inspirational because we have people in our own midst that live out these stories. And they, and they parallel. And we've been able to tell these different stories so far We've told uh, some things, we've learned some stuff. We've learned to follow Jesus with your whole heart in which we got to ask questions like, where's God calling you? we use this word calling. This was a big one. So is this calling into ministry, calling into international work, calling into your workplace and and being this Christ follower that you see your workplace as mission field, as a minister of the gospel. Where is Jesus calling you to sacrificially serve him? Um, Where is that? Secondly, we 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 went through that healing takes place where Jesus is near, and this is a really cool deal because we got to ask the question: What do you want God to do? There's a lot of healing we want in our lives. There's a lot of things we want, but what do you really want God to do? Or would you rather be able to continue kind of complaining about your situation or your circumstances because it's a little more convenient that way rather than God to really change your life? And so we we got really really down to business and said, what do you want God to do? What do you want God to do in your life? Because healing happens when Jesus is near and Jesus changes lives. Last week, we we encouraged each other to look for where God is at work and join God there. Look for where God is at work and join God there. And And a lot of times we like to look at ourselves less than what God sees ourselves as. And so we said last week that God can take our not enough and turn it into more than enough. Very simply put, the story of the the boy with his loaves and fish. And uh, next thing you know, Jesus is feeding thousands of people. And uh, God can take what appears to be not enough, turn it into more than enough. And so, this is what we've been doing. And we've been sharing stories within our midst that are very similar to these stories, just in the way that God has played out. And so, tonight, we finish up Summer Stories with this truth live the legacy. And I know you're sitting there going, Danny, we've we've been talking about living the legacy for a long time. Yes, and we're going to keep talking about living the legacy until none of us are on this earth anymore. And the next generation, hopefully, is going to continue living the legacy and going to continue to share this story of who Jesus is, because when we live the legacy, unlikely supernatural conversions can happen, because Jesus will still be saving lives as we live the legacy even in the most unlikely circumstances. And we see this in the story of Zacchaeus. We see this in the story of many of you that are in this room, many of you that are online right now. It was very unlikely that you were going to give your life to Jesus and Jesus changed your life forever and ever. But here you are. It's the story of Zacchaeus. And so tonight, let's pick this up, Luke chapter 19, and we're just going to read verses 1 through 10 of this, but let's just get the whole story out there. So Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, He couldn't see over the crowd, so he ran ahead, which was totally unacceptable at that day. He ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree, another totally unacceptable for way more reasons than he had a flowing robe on. But you don't climb the sycamore fig tree, but there goes Zacchaeus running and climbing because Jesus was coming that way. Verse five, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said and called him by name, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly into his home. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus, he stood up and he says to the Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, which was most everybody out of everything, he said, I will pay back four times the amount. I'm not sure how that economy works out, but he's saying I will pay back four times the amount. I'm not sure if he'd made a bunch of interest through the years or what, but he's saying I'm different. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham part of the promise, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, the cornerstone of Jesus' ministry. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Man, Zacchaeus, he was a well-known tax collector. He was known because he would take more taxes from the Jewish community, the Israelites, than Rome required for him to take. And this is how he became wealthy. And so he was cheating people out of money. Um, And and, and interestingly enough, Jesus had just kind of recently been teaching about how hard it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven and so there's this kind of irony that, that this is, and, and was this the story that Zacchaeus had heard that made him want to go see Jesus? We're not exactly sure, but we just know that Jesus had been talking about this somewhere around that same time. And so Jesus was teaching about how hard it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God, yet in this story, Jesus shows what is impossible with man is possible with God. So while, while it was highly unlikely, while it was highly um, skeptical whether Zacchaeus would really ever choose the righteous path or the right way. Jesus, in this story, shows what's impossible with man is possible with God. And so Jesus sought after Jesus out of curiosity, spiritually curious, a sojourner. Here is Zacchaeus. And then Jesus walks by, picks him out of the crowd. How did he know? We don't know. He was well known as a tax collector. Maybe it was. He was warned. Who knows? But he sat there and he says, Zacchaeus. He calls him by name, which was really meaningful, I would imagine, to Zacchaeus. And he says, come down. I'm going to go dine in your house today. But we have to ask the question, what made Zacchaeus curious? I mentioned this a while ago. We're not sure what stories Zacchaeus had heard, but here's what we do know. Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus. Someone, somewhere, somehow, in some way, Told Zacchaeus about Jesus. Why was Zacchaeus curious? Perhaps maybe Zacchaeus was so curious because he had gone down this path of living life that he thought was going to bring incredible satisfaction, incredible joy, incredible happiness in his life, only to find out that it didn't. And then once he had been down that road, perhaps he felt stuck and wanted out. You know anybody like that? Is that your story? It's interesting, isn't it? What made Zacchaeus curious? We're not exactly sure, but what we did find is that Zacchaeus definitely was clearly, at this stage of his life, willing to give everything away. Willing to give away everything about that former way of life in order to be set free by Jesus. Another unlikely thing. I mean, who gives all their money away to be set free? It's an interesting thing that we have going on here. Now, it does definitely see that, seem like it's like we read the scripture, and it seems like it just, you know, Jesus said, come down, and, 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 and he came down. They went and ate in the house, and, and then he came to know Jesus, and then the next thing you know, you know, he's giving everything away. It seems like it was an immediate heart change. But what we know is, is that the heart change didn't start then and there on that day, because there's a reason why Zacchaeus chose to show up at that moment, at that time, because he knew Jesus was coming. So he was looking for Jesus. He was curious about Jesus. He wanted freedom in some form or fashion from Jesus. This is an example of what Randy Newman in his book, Unlikely Converts, he says these words. He says, the benefits of pre-evangelism, this is the benefits of pre-evangelism, the work that we do to prepare others to receive the gospel. So if you ever wonder if the conversations you have with neighbors, coworkers, extracurricular activity, friends... Um, family. If you ever wonder if those conversations make a hill of beans difference, look at this. It's pre-evangelism. This is the work that we do to prepare others to receive the gospel. You may not be the one that's sharing Christ with them in, in a moment where they're going to choose to receive Jesus in their lives, but you may be a part of the, 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 the tapestry that God is weaving together of those that are putting, put into the lives of very unlikely people to come to know Jesus. And so if you, please don't ever underestimate the importance of you living the legacy. Because the way you live your life is telling a story. And it's sharing with all of the world to see the value system that you have, the, the, the understanding of why you do what you do and what, how you do what you do, the words that come out of your mouth. They all tell a story. And they tell a story about your Savior. And so this is that understanding of Living this legacy, it's pre-evangelism. It's the work that we do to prepare other people to receive the gospel. It means Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus, and he went to great lengths to see him, to be set free by him. And so we have to ask the question, so what? I've already said it, but so what? Here it is. When you live the legacy of Christ, salvation can come to the unlikely. Every single one of us have people in our lives that it is highly unlikely that they're going to choose Jesus ever in their life. Doesn't make them a goal, doesn't make them a target. We just know. We just know people. It's just highly unlikely. And for any number of reasons, we were just in legacy group earlier today. We are just talking about how, man, there's been so many stories of, of, of people who've been disappointed by some Christ follower somewhere along the way. And it, it is a roadblock. It is a barrier for this person to come to know Jesus because someone who seemingly was following Jesus did something in their lives that made them think, if that's what Jesus is all about, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. And maybe that's ever since then, they've just been the most unlikely person you've ever known to to follow Jesus because they just don't want to and they have such a bad attitude towards Jesus. But we all have people like this in our lives. But you know, it's interesting to me, you know, because I would imagine Brian Moshe would say that Shane Ellis was one of the most unlikely people to choose Jesus 10 years ago. But because... Brian and Shane are friends because Brian had the opportunity to communicate with Shane, especially in a moment where there was crisis and Shane's in this life that he thought was gonna bring joy and satisfaction and happiness and everything only to find out it didn't and it didn't, it didn't and he was looking for a way out but yet he's addicted to all kinds of stuff and he's on all kinds of stuff and he doesn't know how to get out and he's willing to give it all away in order to get out and to be set free. And the next thing you know, because of his relationship with Brian, and he'd heard about the life change that had happened in Brian, how he learned about that, I don't know. But guess what he did? He called Brian. And guess what Brian did? Brian said, you need Jesus. You need to show up in my church. And let's talk about who Jesus is. So Jane showed up high, and it was crazy and awesome for like the first month, you know, and uh, and, and then Jesus captured his heart. Turned his life around. He's never been the same since. Guess what? That didn't stop with Shane because then Shane talked to Tony. Tony shows up at Easter this last Sunday. Tony prays to receive Jesus. Tony's getting his life cleaned up, and he's, he's going to be in the process of telling this same story to other people. This is how it works. It's pre-evangelism. It's the way that we live our lives. We get the opportunity to share Jesus with unlikely people that will ever choose to receive salvation. Somebody was Zacchaeus' Brian. Somebody was Zacchaeus's shame. Somebody was that person, that the story was there, the life had been changed by Jesus. And so who who are you that somebody for? Because when we live the legacy of Jesus, the legacy of Christ, salvation can come to the unlikely, and there are people who, man, they look like they want their life to be exactly the way it is on the outside, and on the inside, they are completely miserable, and they're wanting to be set free. They just don't know how to get out. They have no idea how to get out because they may be willing to give up everything to get out. They just don't know how, but they know you. They know your story. They know what you were like before Jesus. They know what you're like now. They know all of those things. When you live the legacy of Christ, salvation can come to the unlikely. See, God is at work drawing people to himself just like we see in this Zacchaeus story. There are unlikely people all over desiring to get out of the life that they feel stuck in. So let's ask the question, Who is the unlikely person that God desires to bring salvation to as a result of your living the legacy of Jesus? Who is it? Who are the people in your lives? I know there's probably a person or two or three or ten that are showing up in your mind right now. Who is it that's the unlikely person or persons that God desires to bring salvation to? And it's through your story that they see this change. And so what we hope to do this evening, what I was hoping we could do this evening, is we just kind of re-up. You guys may remember of time in our history where we literally mapped out our neighborhoods together as a church. Maybe you remember the tic-tac-toe board. Do you remember do you know the people across the street from you? Do you know the people behind you? Do you know your neighbors to the side of you, caddy cornered and everything. And how do you do on that? Do you get a tic-tac-toe? Or do you how many of them do you know? And we had all these percentages and all these stoplights and everything and red, yellow, and green based on the relationship that we had and everything. Here's let's just kind of pull back on that thing for just a second. Let's pull it back to the to the to the to the beginning. You know Who has God strategically placed you near to tell the Christ story by how you live? You can filter this in your workplace. You can filter this by where you sit in the stands at your kids' baseball games and football games and all that kind of thing, and the people that normally sit around you. You can do the exact same thing everywhere you go. Who has God strategically placed you near to tell the Christ story by how you live? First of all, do you know their name? So you can pray for them by name. Do you know your neighbor's name? You didn't have to know anything about them. Do you know their name? Something beyond what they drive, right? Do you know their name? The people that you normally sit next to, do you know their name? Secondly, do you know something about them? Obviously beyond what they drive and what time they leave for work, you creepy person. Anyway, sorry, you know, I mean, the, do you know anything about them? Do you know their name, something meaningful? Do you know their hopes and dreams? This is when you're getting to a whole other level because they're probably, probably starting to eat with you in your home and everything. Do you know their hopes? Do you know their dreams? Do you know the future that they are fearful of even? Do you know these things? My guess is you also know how unlikely they are to come to know Jesus. That's my guess. You probably know that. And so you filter that through people at work, filter that through extracurricular activities, filter that through the gym, filter, whatever the case may be, right? Just filter it through that. So here's a question for you. You know, some of those. Names are just, they're bubbling to the top and you've got them in your head at this point now and you're there. Is there anybody that you know that you've kind of secretly been wondering if they're just posturing? You know what I mean? Like they're just, they make it seem like what they're doing is like the best thing in the world. They're rocking it. Everything looks good and it's awesome. And secretly you wonder if they want to get out. You wonder if they want things to be different than they appear to be. Do you know anybody like that in your network? that sphere of influence that you have, that network of influence that you have in your life, neighbors, coworkers, parents of of kids' activities, all that kind of thing. Anybody you know that, man, they, they sure make it look like everything is so good, and you're just kind of going, I don't know that things are as good as they say they are. I think they may want out. And you're just kind of waiting around for the sky to fall, and hopefully they're going to get a chance to talk with you about how life changed for you and give their life to the Lord. Here's how Jesus' ministry can be summed up. Verse 10. The Son of Man, the Son of God, fully human, fully God, came to seek and save the lost. I know that that word lost, people get hung up on. I'm not lost. I know I'm in Hutto, Texas. That's not what we're talking about. All right? It's we're going down one path. We think this is the way To happiness. We think this is the way to success. We think this is the way to whatever, only to find out we have no idea where we're going because everywhere we get to whatever that milestone is, it just doesn't seem to satisfy. We got to go to the next one. Some people call that the American dream. Some people call that the American greed. It can be a lot of different things, but the fact of the matter is some people are going down a path they think is going to lead to life, and it's only going to lead to death. But the Son of Man, the Son of God, came to seek and save those who are lost. They think they're going in the right direction, but they're not. They came; He came to seek and save and to help people get on the right path. Who is the least likely in your life to receive salvation? Who's the least likely? What I'd like for us to do now is not wait until the response time. I'd like for us to take a moment, and we're going to spend 25 seconds Okay, 25 seconds praying. The names that are in your mind, you think, man, there is no way. I just can't imagine. Let's take a moment. Let that name be on your mind. And let's just pray over them and ask the Lord for them to see the legacy of Jesus in the people around them, including us. Let's pray together. Lord, there's all kinds of people that are on our minds right now, and Lord, we just ask for you to turn their hearts. Help them to see that life is best defined by you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for praying for them in that moment, and thank you for asking God to give you the gumption to live the legacy that God's given to you to live. Here's the thing that we've got going, though. The hope is is that at some point, they're going to trust this community of believers or other community of believers with their lives and live life together alongside others that are choosing Jesus once they choose Jesus, right? And so here's what we have to ask ourselves, though. And so you just filter this through your mind and your experience right now. If legacy, okay, so legacy, is it defi- if defined by your life and actions, is legacy a safe place for someone far from God to visit? Let me say it again. Is legacy, if defined by your life and actions, a safe place for someone far from God to visit? If everybody who calls Legacy Church home lived and acted like you, would someone far from God encounter a heart like Jesus or an attitude of judgment? Because that's where it comes down to, right? This is that legacy we're talking about. That we live, and we can't, we can't count on the fact that, oh, you know what, somebody else, you know what, Clinton neighbors, he'll, he'll be the one to take care of that person. You know, uh, uh, Brian Lee, he's going to be the one to take care of that person. Those are good, good guys. They'll take care of that, you know. Laura Hawke, she's going to take care of that gal that comes in there. I, I, I don't need to be on the hook for that. No, no, no. You. If legacy is defined by you, to somebody who doesn't know Jesus, is it safe for them to talk to you about Jesus? Do they encounter the real Jesus when they encounter you? This is what we mean by living the legacy. And so what we want to do at this point now is, can we pray over our hearts and just ask God for us to have an attitude of gratitude or an attitude of righteousness, an attitude of unconditional love, not an attitude of judgment, not an attitude of accusation, not an attitude of making people feel worse about themselves when they encounter us. Instead, people always walk away feeling better about themselves when they encounter us. Can we just ask God for just a moment for the Lord to modify and mold and make us into His image so that we can live this legacy that God has for us to live? 25 seconds, let's pray. Lord, we love you, and Lord, we long for our lives to reflect you accurately. And Lord, I pray that you help us just as we think about how we live our lives. Do our lives reflect your goodness? Not are we performing like your goodness, not have we said what you say, Not have, are we? but Lord, are we embodying because our hearts are motivated. The why behind what we do is motivated by you. And so when people encounter us, Lord, if they're drawn to anyone, may they be drawn to you. Lord, we love you, and we praise your name, and we pray it through the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, my hope is is that we're able to tell the story of freedom in Jesus together. You know, because so many times we kind of individualize our faith. But what I'd like for us to do is I'd like for us to do everything we can to think about us together as one. Yes, we are defined by each individual's a collection of the whole. Yes, there's no doubt about that. The collection of all of us individuals make up the whole. Excuse me. And so, yeah, that's true. But I just want us to make sure that, that we understand we're not by ourselves. We have to evaluate individually, but we have to also make sure that we're seeing the health and the wholeness of the organization through all of us together. And so my hope is, is that as we get spurred on this evening to live this legacy, we're doing it together. And so unlikely people are able or more able, more, pr- more prone to choose Jesus because there's this body known as legacy that there's grace, there's mercy. These people really care about me as an individual. These people, they're not, they're not, they're not like the other people that have offended me or whatever through the years, these folks, they just, they care. And it seems too good to be true, but man, it's kind of stand to the test of time. And when they encounter someone, they get to experience this as best we can describe the true nature of who Jesus is because of what Christ has done in our lives. And may we do this together as the body of Christ. And so as we are praying together. Lord, may we live the legacy together. May we re-up on being the church that loves and leads like Jesus. And yes, may we hope that other people will be drawn to Jesus and be set free. That's the whole thing. And when we live the legacy, unlikely people are more likely to choose Jesus. In just a few moments, we're going to remind ourselves why we do what we do, because we're going to get the opportunity to partake of Holy Communion, otherwise known as the Lord's Supper. And there's this moment in which there's this supper that the the disciples were eating, and the Lord was breaking bread, and He was serving them, and He was giving unto them. And eyes were revealed who He is. And 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 then there's this moment for a Last Supper where it's, it's man, it just they, they they know that that Jesus is well. Jesus had told them there's he's he's going to be um killed. He's going to have to die, and there's been all the stories about who Jesus is, and. Jesus has a conversation with with people about how they partake of the Lord's Supper. And one of the things that he encourages the church to always do in this moment of taking the Lord's Supper is to evaluate our hearts and our lives. And yes, we as individuals, we have individual free will, free choice to do or not do as we want to do. One thing we want to make sure we do in this moment, though, is not drink guilt or partake guilt and condemnation upon ourselves by partaking of the Lord's Supper with a heart that is not right. And part of that puzzle is if there's anything across this room, if there's someone that you've got an issue with across this room, this is a great moment. I'm going to pray, and then before um, before we partake, it'd be an, an, a good thing for you to go across the way, apologize, ask for forgiveness whatever you need to do in order to make right this moment so that there is a purity of heart. The same thing is true in your relationship with the Lord. You make sure that you've chosen Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord and that you are partaking of this to honor Christ's death until the day he returns again. And so as we partake of communion tonight, this is a meaningful, special thing, one of two ordinances, the other one being baptism, one of two ordinances that Jesus gives us as the church to remind us of the why behind what we do. And so as Jesus laid his life down for us, and we break bread because his body was broken, and we drink the cup because his blood was spilt, may it be something that reminds us to lay our lives down for others, that we pour our lives out like a drink offering until the day Jesus comes again, or until the day we breathe our last breath here on this earth. And so as we partake of communion, may we also be thinking this legacy that we live, this legacy that we leave for the people that come behind us. And so I'd like to pray, and then as I say amen, if our elders will come and prepare the table. Father, we are truly honored tonight, in this moment, to get to Partake of this holy, set-aside time where we are reminded of your broken body and your blood that was spilt, your death, burial, and praise God, your resurrection. We are so sorry that you had to go through what you had to go through for us. Lord, may we never take it for granted. And Lord, may this be the foundation of why we live our lives. May we proclaim you to all of the world. And Lord, as you've changed our lives, Lord, may you change others, even the most unlikely, because of who you are, who you are in us, who you are through us. Father, we are thankful to call you Savior. We are thankful to call you Lord. And, Lord, in this moment now, will you calm our hearts? Will you calm our spirits? And, Lord, will you allow us to partake in a holy manner? We love you, and we praise your name. We ask this through the name of Jesus. Amen. Elders, will you come? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, and he broke it. He said, this is my body that is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood spilt for you. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we are so thankful for this evening. We are so thankful for this legacy you've given to us. The way of life that you've called us to. Father, we're so thankful for the trust that you have in us to trust us to live this life in a way that is worthy of the calling that we have received. Father, you've trusted us with this ever-important task of living in such a way that we tell a story. But Lord, I pray that it not be any manufactured story, but it be the real story. And Lord, the reason that we do what we do is because of Jesus's sacrifice. Because he sacrificed, we sacrifice. Because he laid his life down, we lay our lives down. Because he gave, we give. And Lord, because he is with us, we are with others. Father, I pray that this evening that we find ourselves honored. And Lord, that we look with eyes with the most unlikely people And as we see them, we are able to go, you know, I can't change them, but Lord, you can. And so, Lord, will you shine your light of hope in and through us. And Lord, may we be faithful to plant seeds and to water seeds, trusting you to make them grow. Father, thank you again for sending Jesus to this earth, your free gift to everyone who will receive. And we pray all of this. Through the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, guys. You know, what a perfect time for us at this point now to just stand to our feet and may we just sing praises to the Lord on the backside of such a meaningful time. So can we stand to our feet and can we honor our Heavenly Father together in response?